This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Up to date and credible. Power 102 Digital. Everybody right now caught in the jostle for space in the race trying to keep up with the pace by space ram cram everybody is jamming 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 if you say by the barber too Yeah Cricks, it's your vital supply Alright, so thank you to for the four folks At Bermudez Alright And of course, at 16 minutes after the hour 7 o'clock When I get my guest online, traffic wise Yeah, let me just not tell you about traffic Any accidents? I'm looking No, no Let me not tell you about traffic, alright even that alone, that says volume right there. Alright, so why we get the guest, the, the guys online. Uh, well, guest online, I should say. Let's get the results of our morning poll. Our poll this morning was, do you think the Prime Minister did in fact interfere by giving Blissy Prasad the info that affected the merit list? We had 27 people voting on the poll this morning. Of the 27, 20 of you said yes, 7 of you said no. As you, as you said earlier on, Richard, and you, if you could turn on your camera, please, sir. The, the Prime Minister's action did result in some way in precipitating in quite a series of events thereafter. So, interfere may not be the word, but he certainly impacted the police service commission's operations so much so that some may suggest it, contrib- it may have contributed to its collapse eventual collapse because they withdrew the list as, yep. and by the way, as you said, we don't even know how far the list went at that point anyway we're streaming on our facebook and the youtube now just to let you all recording know recording in progress thank you dorothy and let's introduce the minister good morning uh, uh we would like to welcome minister of trade and industry uh, Senator Paula Gopi Schoon, Minister Gopi Schoon. Good morning. Thank you for joining us at the Power Breakfast Show. Good morning. Good morning to you, Paul, and uh, I think Mr. Ragabasin is with you, and of course, the listening audience. Happy to be with you this morning. Hi, thank you. How are you this morning? Happy, uh, I can't say happy Easter yet. Yeah, good morning, Minister. Easter. I know you're quite devout. Not happy Easter, but Lent is also a very, very interesting period because it prepares you for Easter, and that's what's great about it. 
Excellent. We have three main topics this morning. Let's start. Yes. Yesterday we asked a question, a morning question, was should the government do something about food prices? And if I'm not mistaken, Richard, the vast majority said yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. the majority of people said yes. Said yes. I don't know what government can do. I know there have been some items put on a zero-rated list. Uh, Minister, give us your overview. Of course, we all know that the pandemic had interrupted uh, supply chain, and now we have the... the Ukraine-Russia war, uh, which may impact the price of wheat and, and as such flour. Is the government bracing for more price increases? But it's not merely the government that is bracing for price increases, but the world is. And you have to understand the damage that would have been done on account of the, of the pandemic. And, and not only the pandemic, unfortunately, you had a lot of adverse weather conditions in a lot of producing countries last year, Canada, U.S., Australia. And, of course, then the, the, in addition to the whole COVID direct implications on the labor force being available in many sectors to work, including the agriculture sector, you would have had also the shipping and logistics disruptions, etc., contributing to food, in price, uh, food, food price increases. Now, so you're understanding that this is a global impact. And if you have looked at the release coming out from the FAO at the beginning of March, you would have realized that the total across the board food price increase would have been 28%, which is quite substantial. And so that's not just, it's not the government, but in fact, all populations of the world having, to, uh, having these extreme prices um, uh, in food. So it's just not the Trinidad that's affected, or the government that is affected. It is the global situation. And, of course, the war in Ukraine, the Russia-Ukraine war, has just worsened it. But if you thought that even the 28% um, that we would have seen a leveling off, and this is what we were looking for in 2022 as against 2021, and this is without the war, in January you would have had a 4% overall price increase. And in three and, and in sorry, and three point nine increase in February. By late February, the, the war came on, and that has had that has had disastrous effects uh, effects on global food security. And why is because that whole Black Sea region um, is a, plays a major role in the global food system. And in that, and if I look at wheat and corn in particular. Russia and Ukraine amount to something like 30% of, 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 of wheat exports, of the world's wheat exports. Corn, um, Ukraine represents 16% of, of the world's corn exports. And you know how important those products are to us and across the globe. But there, will, there is expected to be continued food price increases. But the concern is also not just the food price increases, but whether you would have food shortages. And that, to me, is a bigger issue because some things you would want it in any price. The main thing is to be able to have it here and to make sure to have every, everything with us. That's, that's, that's a concern because as you would understand if you look at the makeup of our imports. We, talk, we talked about a $5.7 billion, billion TT dollar import in food, right? Well, that is food that we, we, we absolutely need to have, well, not the food that we're used to importing, and you're talking about your meats. A high portion of that is your meat, your, your, your margarine and shortening and oil products, your, your, all of your fats. 
to your daily products then. Uh, a two-part question, Minister. You mentioned a 28% increase uh, a while ago. A two-part question. Yeah. One, that, and you said the, the, the bigger picture is availability of food generally. One, are smaller economies or smaller nations paying more because of the negotiating powers of the bigger nations as we saw the, the, the tragedy of availability of vaccines earlier on in the pandemic? That's one. And two, if we are suspecting there may be actual food shortages, what is the government slash the Caribbean doing to start to mitigate that if anything's possible at all because then that turns it into a completely different conversation if food stuff basic food stuffs become unavailable for even purchase yeah and i mean i mean i i i mean i've been very careful here but i'm being also very realistic um in, in terms of particular types of food um and the whole question is what can you do uh, but before i go to there's something you asked me before the caribbean yes you mentioned the caribbean when we talk about a five percent five point seven billion dollar food import in trinidad and tobago the rest of the region you're talking about uh four billion u.s so you're talking about close to 20 20 in the vicinity of 25 um, million TT equivalent imported food into the region. So it's not just, I'm talking about, I'm showing you, I'm trying to show you the regional pressure in terms of food imports. Now, what are you going to do about it? It's, it's not an immediate fix. I mean, government has attempted to do some things. I'm looking at the basic food prices, for instance. We have tried to keep that down by one suspending, and this has been going on for a number of years, suspending the CET, the Common External Tariff, at a level of CARICOM on basic food items. So the basic food items that we import, your sugar, your rice, your flour, etc. all of these things, about 20 items or so that are coming in tariff-free, um, into, uh, uh, sorry, not, yes, tariff-free, duty-free into the country. And then you would see that following the budget last year, we zero rated a number of basic food items, and and, uh, and of that amount, and whilst it may have been about 60, 70 products, when you're looking at the SKUs and the entire range, you were talking about thousands of, prod, of products, and that would have included, again, your oils, um, your, your, your coffee, your tea, your juices, um, your vegetables, all the things, roti skins, etc. A lot of things, you know. The VAT was exempted. So you already have definitely on the basic items, they're zero rated and you're suspended. And I'm looking and to see what we may have left out. And I'm sure that conversation can be have, had with Ministry, Ministry of Finance as to what else we, we, we could look at. But not only that, we made sure that for the food, basic food items, the imports of the basic food items and medicines, Etc. We made sure that the we that Minister Finance did this that they that they we increased the level of foreign exchange availability to the Exim Bank not only to supply the basic the foreign exchange to the basic inputs into manufacturing but again for the direct imports of the things that we must have so that we've done those three things and but and of course we have the food monitoring mechanisms at the level of. Um, at the level of the Consumer Affairs Division. But that apart, the wider picture has to be what we're doing in agriculture and ensuring that there's food security locally. 
And that thrust has been ongoing, but intensified in the last year when the government made available some $500 million to the Ministry of Agriculture, Land and Fisheries in terms of that agriculture stimulus package to get particular projects going on and to get, and not just that, but to make lands available and to make monies available to agriculturists, not existing only, but new agriculturists in Trinidad and Tobago to expand food supply. And you would have seen also a number of um, public-private partnerships um, arrangements as well for dairy, for instance, uh, to increase our milk supply and our, 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 our meat supply in, in, in Trinidad and Tobago. So those kinds of things, but they, and for that, you have to rely on your medium and, medium and long-term, longer-term views mm. as to where you want to go with that. It's not an yep. easy but, 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 Minister, if, if I may interrupt, but the, the, you're, you're talking about um, a certain level of uh, attention being paid in terms of the agriculture and what is happening in food and dairy, etc. Is yeah. there some sort of master plan that that will, will expect these various sectors to decrease the food import bill by so much percentage points by within two years, um, etc., etc.? Is there a master plan that correlates to a reduction in the food reduction bill? so that we can see that we're making some definitive headway? What I can say, I mean, I'm not responsible for that ministry, but what I can say, that is the approach. And I would like to think that work is developed, being developed on, that, on, on the particular items and components of a master plan, where we would be in, in the very same things we talked about, vegetable production, food production, um, um, dairy production, etc., uh, so I would like to think that that work is ongoing with the, with the Ministry of Agriculture. But even at the level of the Ministry of the, uh, Responsible for Youth Development, there are also a number of agricultural initiatives. As I said, you have to take the medium-long-term view in this. Huh? And uh, so the, 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 the stimulus there in, the, in that ministry is to get youth into agriculture. So you're talking about new entrants, not only at the university level, to the extent where we would be giving them, the government would be giving them homesteads and so a number of areas, pieces of land across Trinidad and Tobago have been identified for distribution, uh, targeted at getting youth into agriculture and into hands-on agriculture as well. So there's a lot going on, and I know that there's some kind of plan, but in terms of the definitive details, I couldn't give you that. But again... What we have to do, a but do you think? Do you think that because we spoke to Rajiv Dipti, the president of the Supermarkets Association, yesterday, Minister Gopi Schoon, yeah, and he was of the view, and I'll paraphrase that, not enough has been done. We know that we can't grow all the food we need, though we should be trying to grow more. That's understood, but more yeah. should be done to involve a more CARICOM-centric approach where there's so much island space, Guyana, Barbados, Grenada, all these countries can grow different crops and export to each other in a more symbiotic manner. Uh, the, the shipping costs will be less and it builds CARICOM as a region and it, it provides a better food security blanket for the entire region as opposed to moving in silos. You also talked about the under-resourced Prader Larceny unit. Right, so I, I I wouldn't give you too much information on the on, on the previous loss in, loss in the unit in the Ministry of Agriculture, right? Because that's something that the minister would be looking at. But I want to go back to the CARICOM issues and and food security. 
And the lead head, as you know, CARICOM heads um, are responsible for various areas uh, of development and courses within the region. So Guyana is responsible, Guyana, the president of Guyana will be the lead head with responsibility for food and agriculture. And yes, he did last year present a plan um, for, um, for um, food, uh, food security for the region. And um, that plan is being activated at the level of the heads of government. And as you, I mean, as you rightly said, you have to look at the synergies. It has to be a synergistic approach because Guyana is the one with the land spaces. And I know that Guyana, of, on, of its own, has begun to grow um, strong acreages in several um, vegetables. And, and I, I think they have started corn and wheat and that kind of thing. But it has to be that approach and in terms of, of security, in terms of Ghana being the, the area that, um, that will focus on. But are you know, uh, does that plan include, yes, Ghana can grow the food because it doesn't land space in the other Caribbean countries like Cuba that we do, may not be Caricom, yes, Caribbean Cuba. that we can engage. But is, yes. is that, does that plan include providing more raw material, for, for example, for Trinidad and Tobago manufacturers to, to up their... Okay. That, that is another area that, in terms of the medium to view, and is the, the work is going to be done on strengthening the linkages between industry and agriculture. That's what you're talking about, so that there's better synergy with the domestic or the, or the regional agricultural sector and industry. And so that there's a working group on that to collaborate towards building that supply, those supply chain linkages. Um, between manufacturers and our cultural sector. And you would see an RFP going up pretty soon um, for a consultant by the Ministry of Trade and Industry to really look at these uh, the regional value chains, which is wider than just agriculture. But one other study would be on strengthening the linkages again. Um, so the work is ongoing, and we want to bring a consultant who can really drill down for us further uh, on how we could get the work, get, get, get this working and, and, and just not talking about it. But there is a working group, with them, including the Ministry of Trade, TTMA, uh, Ministry of Agriculture, and NAMDEF, so and so on, looking at um, this whole collaboration um, in terms of the supply chain logistics, uh, uh, linkages, sorry, between the two sectors. But I, I'm, going to, I'm going to, to cue Richard to introduce his favorite topic, ease of uh-huh. doing business. Yeah, yes. the ease of doing business, Minister, if you could talk about that, because um, for years, Trinidad and Tobago has been languishing um, um, below the midpoint in terms of countries being rated on the ease of doing business. And we seem it's, it seems that there's, there's some bogey with us moving up the ladder. What is accounting for our difficulty in making any tangible progress th- uh, in terms of our rating internationally? with regard to the ease of doing business? So I'll tell you that work is ongoing. That, 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 that's a fact. And there's no ease of doing index again. And in, the World Bank has not announced since 2019 its replacement for that, um, for that ease of doing index, which we knew of before. Since then, now it, it, the, the ease of doing business is, is transferred into about 13 areas or, or so across to several ministries, etc. So that there are several ministries which are responsible for fixing the ease of doing business. And the ease, what we know as the notion of ease of doing business, extends beyond that World Bank Index. And, uh, it, and, it, and it, it is everything that affects doing business in Trinidad and Tobago. So if you're entering the country and there's an immigration issue, a long line, 
that is looked at as the ease of doing business. What in the Ministry of Trade we're focused on, so, so there's an all-of-government approach with a focus, of course, on the Ministry with digital transformation. That is not, you know, digitization and digitalization and so on, those are not easy and quick fixes. But there are things that we're doing, for instance, to increase both, both at the basic level and COVID forced us to do that, to increase the accessibility to broadband across the nation. So those kinds of fixes, making sure that there are enough, um, there are enough um, laptops in the hands of children, etc., so that they could have used it for, um, for, um, for, for school purposes during the COVID period. But that apart, a major issue for us in the ministry is trade and uh, that which applies to trade and business. And over time, from 2009, when this TT business was introduced, we now have something like 46 e-government um, e-government. Um, uh, how do I put it? It's services available. Yeah, 46. We have about 46 services. What we are doing now, again, focusing on trade and business. What we are doing now, for instance, with those 46 e-services, is ensuring that by January. All of those would have an online payment application. So it's one thing you would do, still able to transact and avoid um, time and money and going into places and so on, do, doing things electronically, but you were not able to pay. So what we are working on is those 46 elements having aligned with it an online payment system. That apart, there is some progress. There was progress, for instance, we were the project managers to the Ministry of Planning with regard to construction permitting. And you realize that across the country now, Trinidad, that is, it's now going into Tobago. And because as project management, Ministry of Planning now has more or less taken over the entire thing. And you have, there's only electronic applications for your construction permits. So that's progress. Sometimes I don't think we count our blessings. But that's progress. Well, while I agree with you in, in that way, Minister, with the greatest of respect, anybody who's trying to start or move a business process through Trinidad and Tobago will tell yeah. you, one, the number of steps are not integrated. Two, yeah. there, are, there doesn't seem to be a monitoring and mechanism, monitoring mechanism uh, uh, institute in place to ensure that that person is walked from... The, the concept yeah, through the processes, through the registration, in, in a way that it reduces the number of days it takes to start and register a business and get it going in Trinidad and Tobago. So while you mentioned the 46 services earlier on, the, process, the problem is that people going into the, the, the system, trying to start businesses and run businesses, encounter this bureaucracy, and it ends up in a hundred and yeah. how much days, and pure frustration, so much so that WePay took their options out of Trinidad and Tobago, I, I think to Jamaica, because of the abject frustration they encountered in setting up a wider operation here. Right. So... For instance, the AG's office is working assiduously on, on a de- decreasing the number of days it takes to start a business and the attendant processes. So, and you can find, and you will find a reduction in the more short term in terms of that particular process. But on a wider basis, again, in April, the Ministry of Trade and Industry will launch its trade and business information portal, and that in in itself will allow the customer to go online and view step-by-step regulatory guidelines across the entire spectrum of trade and business. 
so that users will not have to go to the various um, websites, to multiple websites, or conduct any um, in-person visits and so on to understand what do I do to conduct trade, business, and investment. And, and that's so great, that's, but are there, are there agents assigned when someone signs on? to make yeah. sure that their process is seamless and that they're going through in yes. a way that directly impacts the investor. Yes, yes, yes. And so that TT Business is live and that they are av- they are av- they, they, these officers are available to uh, uh, 20, uh, not 24-7, but, but um, eight hours a day to attend to any difficulties, which is the regular working hours. But I'll tell you something. This um, th- this portal will be able to connect you. Uh, it's going to be significant to all of the processes, what you do, and it will cross it will cross agencies um, uh, as well. It will also provide statistics as uh, as well. So I think uh, um, I think this is the single reference point that we're going to launch in in April. I think would give citizens the necessary knowledge and and so on. And this, there is going to be available this centralized information portal. And there are a number of other things that we're looking at, the important community system that I talk about all the time, which is, and these projects are huge projects. I'll tell you the cost of, to, of that construction permitting system is $8 million U.S. dollars. And so we're now looking at this PCS system, or we have been for the last two years going through a CTB process that took mighty long having to do an EOI and then having to, to redo um, the, the, the other processes, the RFP, twice over. It, it takes a lot of time. Do, do, you think, do you think Trinidad and Tobago is competitive in terms of, with, with, that, with that, and I know you said the ease of doing business index maybe no more, but in terms of us providing the, the, the facility, the, the enabling facility to attract investment here, to attract are people who well, want see, to do business uh, here. Are, are we competitive when we compare to our Caribbean counterparts? Yeah, but this is not the only, this is not the only, um, and investments have been done across the world, but that, that apart, that's not the only reason why one would choose to invest in Trinidad and Tobago, the whole question of eating, doing, of doing business. You would know that we have attracted major investments in the energy sector. The reason why, because there's a natural resource um, available here, or several natural resources available in Trinidad and Tobago, so they have invested in Trinidad over the years. But there are other big factors, and, and, and that is our human capacity. And, um, for instance, we are well-educated educated people. Then, there, then, of course, the location of Trinidad and Tobago between, um, I mean, below the hurricane belt has, is another major um, factor. You would find that the cost of um, of electricity, water, etc., is the cheapest in the region and and perhaps in the within the wider Latin American area. So there are several other reasons why persons would choose to do business in Trinidad and Tobago. Why, for instance, the manufacturing sector would do so well in Trinidad and Tobago, and it's because of all of these advantages. So there are definite cost advantages to doing business in Trinidad and Tobago, quality advantages in terms of the human resource capacity, and, uh, and, uh, and the, also our infrastructure, generally our, wood, our road networks, etc. But I'm not saying that, I'm to say that the rest of the region cannot attract investments, different types of investments, um, on account again of their natural resource, the tourism, um, tourism sector has thrived in, in the rest of the region. And you would find that Jamaica is building a national, building a, a manufacturing sector as well. And I would think that, and my own view is that they're doing very, very well. 
at that. And again, they would have some distinct advantage. Their labor costs um, would be very low. And then, of course, they're closer to the, to, to, um, they're also co- closer to America, to the U.S. And just being a few minutes away by that in terms of a, a, a traffic. So I think we all have our advantages. But Trinidad and Tobago, um, by, by far, has the distinct advantage of lower energy costs and location costs and, um, and history. I, 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 I hear you, you know, Minister, but I'm just wondering how, you know, I hear Paul's question, how really competitive is Trinidad and Tobago? How energized are we to be competitive? I get all of the advantages that we have, but if you look at a simple example, for example, of the yachting industry and how it had been decimated over the years from what it used to be, and, and, and that takes advantage of the location we are below the hurricane belt, at least for now, even though climatologists are saying that Hurricanes are going to drift further south and drift further north, but yeah. but the issue of what we have and how we monetize it and how we increase our competitiveness to be the best in the Caribbean and what we do that sort of energy sometimes seems to be lacking. Well. And I mean, you ended there talking about the best in the Caribbean. We want everybody in the Caribbean to do well because when they do well, we do well as well, eh? especially with our manufacturing and so on. But going back to yachting, for instance, over the years, yes, we do have a distinct advantage, and not the advantage is not just the location. The the the, the um, advantage is also the skill set that we have built up in terms of the ability to do yacht repairs. Trinidad and Tobago, that's our distinct advantage, not necessarily. Yes, they, 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 um, as a safe haven during the hurricane season, but again, um, during the, when you look at um, Jamaica, I'm sorry, when you look at St. Lucia, Barbados, uh, St. Lucia, Grenada, etc., more than ever, Barbados, the beauty uh, of those particular territories, is the seas and sun, is an attraction as, as well. But we, that sector has been decimated largely because of COVID. But even but before COVID, we had had some attendant problems in terms of, of piracy. And you would be surprised, one piracy attack would, um, your teeth would just get onto their communication instruments and it would uh, have a devastating effect on the industry. But COVID dealt us a heavy blow uh, in that um, whilst the other territories had um, found a way to deal with the um, the, the, the yachting entrance to the um, immigration issues. Trinidad uh, and Tobago kept its borders closed and we lost out on the entire season. And that's why the um, entire hurricane season in, 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 um, in, in 2021, and that has brought us to a place where we are close to zero in terms of the number of foreign yacht arrivals. So what we, I mean, and you know, I mean, lately, and I don't want to go into this because the public is well aware that we have put $10 million into getting people, get, getting all of these micro and small businesses going again. But of course, what we have to improve is the marketing and promotion, and we're working on that in terms of the advertisement and foreign, foreign, um, and foreign magazines, etc., and we, uh, so that we take, it's a double pronged approach, but again, there are other ministries that are connected, and I meet this week with Minister of National Security on ensure, uh, on working on the issues as well at the level of, of, um, level of immigration and the Coast Guard. And uh, of course, we have to also meet with customs as well, because we have to be a friendlier nation, um, from, from, from the time, um, someone arrives. 
And that single harmonized form that we talked about moving away from 13 forms to one form, he did what he had to do in terms of passing it through the um, passing it through the, the parliamentary process. But again, it has to be put into place and put into place electronically as well so to ensure that before people in the ORTs even arrive in Trinidad and Tobago, they have the old play in terms of their entrance requirements, they're able to submit way, way before they arrive and so on. And that's, that's where we have to go, looking at all the gaps and fixing them, making sure that when a Yorty comes into Trinidad and Tobago, they don't have to enter Trinidad or when they want to go to Tobago. Wait, to, uh, before we run out of time, I want to ask, I want to go back to the food issue and, and ask, because it may seem, seem like a, a redundant question, I mean, what is the role of the Consumer Affairs Division presently? But Consumer Affairs really is a monitoring mechanism so that we will monitor food prices, hardware prices, poultry prices, etc. Publish on the social media and once a quarter put it into the... Um, in, put it into... What you might call it? Put it into the print media as well. But um, so it's a monitoring mechanism. They go around to all of the supermarkets across Trinidad and Tobago so that when they present... It's an ongoing exercise. They can present what is going on in east, north, south, west of, of Trinidad and Tobago so that they are on the road doing that. They are monitoring. But to bring food prices down, you know, people always point to, to, to consumer affairs, but to bring food prices down is really a lot of other issues that you have to deal with, which we were talking about. So, so people have the power of choice, and that's why I asked the question about the, the, the mandate of the consumer affairs division. Do you think part of that mandate should be the promotion of the use of local produce so that we start uh, re-socializing or re-engineering the, the taste, the palate of the population to using more local produce. It, it helps our local farmers. It helps our local manufacturers. It boosts, uh, it, 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 it can have a long-term effect, a medium to long-term effect of reducing the dependence and the importation of foreign goods in Trinidad because some of which are quite unhealthy, quite frankly. And but I'll tell do you think that should be part of the mandate? Yeah, obviously. And what I taught them to do last week was to set up a committee with my Ministry of Agriculture, Ministry of Health, so that there could be a multi-pronged approach in terms of all the reasons why we should we should use local produce. And I mean, we, you, we, we, how long have we been talking about this, Paul? Back here at yeah, but Minister, can I tell you something with the greatest of respect? Yes. When you say... I tasked them with that responsibility last week. I have to scratch my head. Yeah. Because the government has been in, 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 in power since 2015. Food prices have been an issue, even though the, the pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine war has exacerbated the situation. But to hear that, I tasked them with the responsibility to form linkages with the Agriculture Ministry last week. When this, to me, is a no-brainer in terms of that promotion of local goods and services and the use of it. It's kind of bewildering. Yeah. No, but it's not that they're not of good. This is further work to be done. And, of course, the Ministry of Agriculture itself has been doing its work through the promotion of, of uh, what you might call it, um, the markets across Trinidad and Tobago. So it's in your face. You have a market next to you. It's not like going to the central market anymore. And that's great, and I congratulate the Minister of Agriculture for doing that. I'm talking about in yeah. supermarkets. The, the, yeah. the preponderance of foreign goods, and of course, yes, we know we can't supply our food, is in your face. Is there a thrust to 
Lincoln supermarkets are local lane by local campaign support this good support this yeah. service because it's in yeah. our interest to buy and support local in a re you you and I well, I I know I all I don't know you may be a younger person than me but I remember in the 70s and early 80s there was a strong thrust a national campaign one ha, a grow a, a home garden and two buy local that is not has has never been as fervent as I remember back then yeah, but 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 it's there. I, I mean, I, I, I won't take that, um, Paul. But because I think consumers are buying local, and we there's a proudly producing Trinidad and Tobago manufacturing campaign that has been ongoing for the last few years by the TTMA. Government doesn't stand alone. You know, the responsibility is not government alone. And if you go to the supermarket and walk the lanes, I can't tell you separate local from foreign. The foreign goods are on uh, on uh, on uh, uh, they take up less shelf space without a doubt our local goods as you walk through the supermarket the variety variety and availability of locally produced goods are in your face what but is you that? know you know minister you know as well as i do in terms of consumer habits and 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 marketing no, it, it takes no, a lot no, more than just having it in what? your face no what, what no there are two issues one, we need to be able in Trinidad to be able to produce a wider, um, a wider set of goods. That is what, number one, we have to do. But in terms of what we produce being on the shelf, I would tell you that they are on the supermarket. They, are, they do have prominence on the supermarket shelves. But it's two things. We need to be producing more goods, a greater variety of goods. And the second thing is we are a democratic country. And there is also a demand by a particular sector in Trinidad and Tobago for foreign goods. And this is why the duty... So you, if you walk along the, la, the, the, vegetable, the, 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 produce, the produce lane in any supermarket, you would see that our local vegetables take up the larger space. Agreed. There's no two ways about it. But that smaller space that where, where you have strawberries and blueberries and you still have foreign lettuce coming into this country i don't know why it's it's there because there's a certain sector that will still buy it they will still purchase it but if you go but but the point is you have to be realistic you have to be realistic as to what we can produce and what we cannot and you if i go into the list for instance of of food imports we still are importing too much food. All of our meats are imported. So what we produce here are only, is, is only chicken and fish. But if we still import, if I go, if, if I tell you, in terms of a significant, I'll tell you where the large numbers would be. Um, we still import chicken, and that is a no-brainer. Nobody should be buying frozen chicken. This country should not be bringing in um, frozen chicken. We are still buying um, uh, so beef. Your pigtail is imported. A lot of pork is imported. Your salt fish is imported. We should not be having any imported salted fish in this country. We, we, don't, grow turkeys. we don't grow turkeys here. But, but, but who says you must have turkeys? But again, a certain population, and we all sensitize the Christmas time by buying a turkey. We, um, we, we still import a lot of butter. We still import cheese, all of our vegetable oils, all of our soya bean oil and so on, all of our powdered milk. 
I'm just being realistic. So, so you are you are are you suggesting that we have a real potential to reduce those imports and and, and use local locally produced goods in those sector, in those areas? Are you do you think we can do that? I think there has, there has to be, a, and, and why I said, it, um, yes, it's in your face, they locally produce goods, but we're just not producing the things that we absolutely consume. That's a fact. So you're still you're importing a lot of things. You say, okay, we produce flour, but all of the wheat, and wheat is a, has been a major factor in terms of food price increases. All the wheat, etc., comes from abroad. We need to move away from, from French fries. So it's a whole deculturalization and reculturalization in our people as to what what we buy uh, but at the same time there must be the availability so when we have been when you all of your kfc's are using french fries and i mean it's a continuing annual conversation uh, with, with the importance of french fries we need to replace with and thankfully there's no dashing fries but there's can, I, can i join this back and have uh-huh can I draw you into a piece of bacon now? Trinidad is back now. Tell me. Are, are you going to pay for ketchup? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Go ahead. Are, are you going to pay for ketchup when you go to KFC? If I'm going to pay for ketchup? Apparently, oh, you didn't see the news stories yesterday. Forget it, forget it. I was just drawing into some bacon now. Richard, you're muted. Oh, that's a new thing? Uh, yeah, catch the KFC announced yesterday charging $2 for condiments now. So for condiments, a, yeah. A furor on social media yesterday. So that's yeah. a $2, two, $2 for two, pack, two packs of ketchup, one pack of mustard, and a pack of pepper. Mm. What I'd like to do. <laughs> Be careful where you tread, Minister. <laughs> what I, let me tell you, what I would like you to do, for instance, is to introduce Dasheen Fries. Um, cassava fries, even if the cost is a marginally bit higher, dashing cassava, sweet potato fries, and locally produced pasta. End of story. In other words, the locally produced pasta, I think, might be a tad bit higher than the, um, uh, uh, than the whatchamacallit, than the, the, the imported fries. But I'm sure that people would be, a vast amount of the population may pay extra to get their cassava, dashing, and uh, fries, and so on. And we now have a producer in Trinidad who can do significant, well, significant enough volumes of these products to the extent that the inputs are available in terms of the available dashing and well, so on. Well, I'll tell you, we're doing much better with chocolate, the variety of chocolates available locally, yeah? yeah. Yes, we are and, doing but- well. When it comes to chocolate and pepper, I think I think um, Trinidad Tobago is well secured in those markets, at least locally. Um, that a lot of that is um, purchased locally. But the issue of, of of corporate culture, which I think is what you're touching on, Minister, and changing corporate culture to include more local items on their menus, is surely a yeah. uh, is surely a conversation that, if not yourself, the Prime Minister can have, since a lot of the um, leaders of these um, institutions um, have communication channels with any government. Yeah, uh, the conversation is there, but this, of course, your, the big stick approach would be um, your CET weapon, which is your common external tariff. So those are some of the things. And as I touch on that, let me inform you. That there's a, 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 a Caribbean-wide, um, Caricom-wide, sorry, common external tariff review that's going on. 
where we were, as you know, the PET was introduced sometime in um, 30 years ago. And so that at that time, the production realities were not as it is today. And therefore, that we have to take do this exercise to, to address the deficiencies of the CET system where we would protect and, to support, and support. And, you know, in the last few years, we haven't been using the word protect, but countries in the world are now using protectionism mechanisms. But that apart, we are well entitled to look at, we look at our CET, and that is, again, to encourage, excuse me, to product but to protect what is produced locally and as again to uh, and 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 have this deterrent there in terms of um the CT the duty on imports and that's an ongoing exercise i can tell you as we close, let me, let me just drop one more peacock. I think I'll file a question today on what the Ministry of Trade is doing to protect us from having to pay for cat condiments <laughs> that's a new one. i did realize I am just joking, eh? Before somebody pick it I, up. And but I'm going to have that conversation about that. I think it should be a built-in price. And what they're saying, is, uh, what they're saying is uh, increasing the price of the box of uh, of the product. That's what they're doing. Yes, that's what they're doing. But trying to hold the um, the what you call it, the the basic item, which is the chicken and chips, um, at hold the price, but increasing the, the price on the on the uh, on the additions. But yeah. uh, where's the private enterprise? They could do what they want. Consumers have choice, I'll always say. But the consumers have choice. But for how long have been a consumers been um, been eating KFC um, as a several times a week? Right? I know about you, but I can tell you for me, I don't, and I'm not, I shouldn't use the KFC brand because there are other brands, but I don't use um, um, chicken and chips from, um, from, a, uh, from a store. I don't buy it at all. If I feel for fried chicken, I make it at home because we, we produce local chicken. And it's so easy to, to put it in a bag of, of dry seasoning and fry or put it in the oven. Or is, I, I the, is the convenience to some people? Is the convenience as simple as that? Yeah, Lisa, we, we are the time. We want to thank you for being with us this The evening. convenience must be never leaving your home and spending your time wisely instead of looking for that. I, I don't yeah. think Mr. Mute would like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. You do again. Why are you there? Number of there number of um entities. Right, chicken brands. Yeah. yeah. Part of the business environment. Thank you so much, Minister Gopis. Can we appreciate yeah, your time yes. and your contribution this morning? Lovely chatting. All the best. All right. All right same thank to you. you. All right. Thank you. Recording stopped. I didn't think yeah. we'll take a like that at all. Yeah, I mean, I, you are right. A lot of it is convenience. A lot of it's it is convenience. It's convenience. A lot of it is also marketing and habit forming. A lot of it is also price. Yeah, it's it's, it's easier to run in and pay. What's the price now to buy? So I don't know. It's what twenty three dollars, but twenty seven dollars. I don't know what the price. Of I'm not so sure. There are all sorts of deals now, and there are also deals online and stuff like that. But it's convenience. It's convenience. It's, part of, it's part of the convenience culture and, and a developed palette too. Yeah. Part of it is that, you know, it's, it's a marketing. But a lot of a lot of fast strategy. food is about convenience. It's about, it's about convenience. especially parents who are both working. They come you home three, and three children. You're working, and you're like, you know what? Let's get pizza yeah, tonight. A, yeah, and yeah. the kids love it. So yeah, yeah. And Trinidad is a chicken country, yeah. So yeah, so they, they, that's where the businesses do well. It's, like, it's a good business model because it's a developed taste, and and kids like it. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.